Hey, it's our favorite day, Fan Mail Friday, and you asked the following questions. Is Phil Nevin against playing small ball? And should Joe Adele play first base since he struggles in the outfield? And if we sign more players from Japan, would that be an incentive for Shohei Otani to stay on the Halos? It's time to get Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Jonathan and I, thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We are available on all platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the best way to help us out is by giving us a rate and a review. And we love five stars. We are the Super Halo Brothers, by the way. And those watching on YouTube, we're glad that you're here. Make sure that you're subscribed and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. And today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed only mother super halo bro gets to call me jonathan what's going on everybody thank you for being here for locked on angels where it's your team every day you've got the fridge brothers here with you aka the super halo bros my name is john and that's my brother mike and my name is michael and that's my brother john michael paul <laughs> you, hey, know, we, you can't give away the middle name come on i just did i want to have friend. some secrets <laughs> <laughs> hey we've been fans of the angels for years and we're bringing you our unique perspective to Lockdown Angels every Monday through Friday. We're the number one daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. We're glad to have you here with us. Hey, coming up on Monday, we are going to recap the first three games of the series against the Red Sox in Boston. It is a wraparound series, so it will be Friday through Monday. They're playing on Patriots Day, Mike, a yeah. day where they get to honor the citizens of Boston and remember those from the, the tragedy of the of the marathon a few years about gosh man that was like a decade ago now good grief yeah and, big Bobby uh, was still playing right so i mean it right. was about a decade ago and it's an 8 a.m game so it'll it's be a game early that for us yeah our friends in like the uk and australia and japan will be able to watch and not have right. to stay up late so i'm excited for them absolutely hey today's show is a fan mail friday so we have lots of great questions from you the lockdown angels listeners and viewers mike why don't you get into the first question for us? All right, I love this question from Megan Clark. And the question was, I was wondering about the starts in the past seasons. I remember in recent years how we did, but if we go back to like playoff years, how does it compare to where we're at currently? Now, I'm gonna let you answer this one, Johnny, but I do wanna point out that the seven and five start is exactly how we started last year. Hmm. And so we are tracking with that team last year and they ended up 27 and 17 and then they fell off a cliff. But if we actually get to 27 and 17, I'd be really excited about that. So John, why don't you take us back to the last year that we were in the playoffs? That's 2014. Wouldn't it just be the most ironic thing that we go 27 and 17 and then fall off a cliff? Again? No, <laughs> shut your mouth, Jonathan. <laughs> All right. You that deserve time, the Jonathan name. That time warranted a Jonathan. <laughs> hey, yeah. In uh, in 2014, the Angels, of course, they went 0-1 in March. They had one game, so they lost opening day. Then they went 14-12 and 12 in April. So uh, in total, at the end of April, they were 14-13 and 13 to start the 2014 season. Yeah. Of course, that was the year that they were uh, first place in the AL West and had the best record in baseball. Mike, before that, 2009 was the last time they were in first place. <laughs> they started out April 9 and 12. So yeah. if you were concerned about being 7 and 5 right now, imagine being 9 and 12 at the beginning of 2009, but of course they ended up getting first place that year. 2008, this is actually a pretty good start. They went 0 and 1 in March, so they lost opening day, but then they went 18 and 10 yeah. in April, so they finished April 18 and 11. 
I went back to 2007, the year I graduated at high school. Woo! They were 15 and 11 in April. And then in 2005, 13 and 11 in April. So yeah. I, I I look at the month by month stats that we pulled up here. And of course, we just did discuss like April and, and, and March when it was applicable. But really close in terms of wins and losses. I mean, April yes. 2007, 15 and 11. May was 18 and 11, June 17 and 9. That's when the yeah. angels get hot, right? Let, yeah, I was going to say, let me make a point of this because I, I didn't see these until we uh, were getting ready for the show. And my my angel fandom goes way back, so does yours. And I would bet that June and July actually mattered for the halos. And it's when you could tell that things would actually shift in a positive direction or a negative direction. And mm -hmm. looking at when we made the playoffs, I was right. June and July really mattered for the Halos, especially June. And so if we're going to pay attention to how this team is going to do, I think our June record is going to be a record that we really need to pay close attention to. And it's in June that we can tell if this team is going to click or not, because historically, that's how they have been since, gosh, 2005, according to these records that we have in front of us. Hey, Musubi Lou on Twitter said, so glad they took the series against the Nationals. Why do you think Nevin is so against small ball? They had a chance to move runners up or squeeze to get some insurance runs, but they didn't. Uh, he's referring to against the Nationals when the Angels had the bases loaded several times or, and, or at least runners on second and third. Yeah. Mike, I think it depends on who's up in that situation. And a lot of times it was Hunter Renfro. Yep. And, and while it would be strategic to bunt because he is a power hitter, he might not be a very good bunter. And yeah. I think with Renfro, you want him to make contact with that power bat each time. Do you think that that's accurate or do you think that there's something else to it? 100%. And Phil Nevin was quoted as saying, like, he wants to give these guys an opportunity to knock in some runs. And Hunter Renfro bunting in that situation would cause all Angel fans to go, why are you bunting in that mm -hmm. situation? I do think that the reference for small ball, when we look at maybe the bottom of the lineup, like a Renjifo or when Fletcher's in there, it would make more sense for them. But I guess it really depends on the position that they're put in, right? Because Logan Ohapi batting ninth is actually raking right now. Like yeah. he's leading the team in home runs and RBIs. You don't want him bunting and you want to turn the lineup over. And yeah. so if the situation is calling for it, it would make sense. But Phil Nevin and Marcus Timms have both said they want this team to swing away because that's how they're built. And some teams are built for small ball. Brett Phillips is the example of that, right? <laughs> Stole a bunch of bases and walked a lot and played great defense, but this team isn't built for small ball. It's actually why Jerry DePoto and Mike Sosha didn't get along because mm -hmm. DePoto came in and built a team that was very antithetical to who Mike Sosha is as mm -hmm. a coach, and it's why they struggled. Speaking of uh, David Fletcher, he did get that bunt for an RBI against the Blue Jays, and then Brett Phillips. What I liked about Phillips against the Nationals was he didn't, he wasn't being anything that he wasn't. Like yeah. Andrew Velasquez tries to be a power hitter and hit home yes. runs. Brett Phillips was doing exactly what Brett Phillips was meant to do. Mike, MLB fan on Twitter said, I want to send in a question for Fan Mail Friday. It's why are the batters not adjusting to the poor calls by the umpires? For example, Renjifo didn't really adjust. If you know the umpire is bad, why shouldn't you extend your strike zone? What do you think? Yeah, you're helping the pitcher out in that situation. And and the reality is, is the, the more 
appropriate approach would be to have a conversation with the ump or have the bench have a conversation with the ump or maybe like Otani did. Otani was talking and you know that Logan Ohapi is saying, hey, you're giving that to that team. We need it as well. That's the better approach because if you start stretching the strike zone, then the pitcher and the catcher are going to go out even further. And if you're swinging at it, I think it actually affirms that it is a strike in the umpire's mind, even though it's not. Do you disagree with that or do you agree? That makes sense to an extent. The the one pushback I have is watching Renhifo take five pitches. That yes, <laughs> not okay. swing the bat. And there's going to be anomalies to it. You're you're absolutely right. He didn't foul anything off. He didn't try to hit any borderline pitches that would have been called a strike in in this umpire strike zone. And that's what I was frustrated with the other night. It was he watched everything. Yes, and yes, Renhifo had a very good idea of what the strike zone should have been but it wasn't the umpire strike zone. And once you realize that, and if you aren't able to have a conversation before that moment, you have to be able to fight off pitches that you think are going to get called against you, sure, which is exactly what yeah. happened to Ren Hifo. Yeah. Next question, Johnny, from Jason Stafford on Twitter. So it looks like it looks like Trout's having a tough time with firm fastballs so far this season, including the WBC. Uh, a lot of swings and misses. What's your take on this? Well, yesterday on the broadcast, they were talking about Trout dropping his elbow and not staying tight in his swing. And you heard that from Gubaza. You heard that from GA. And you could even see Marcus Timms having that conversation with Trout in the dugout. Plus, I think his timing is off. I think that we've seen this before from Mike Trout in terms of being slow to the fastball. I think his timing is off. He's a little older. Your timing's not going to be as great as you get older. So he does need to make an adjustment. But right now, I think it's that elbow, and that's why he's swinging through things and also hitting the ball up. But they're ending up just being pop outs. They're not ending up, you know, in the stands like we're used to seeing from Mike Trout. Right. So it's been a while since he's had a nice drive with the baseball. And I think it has everything to do with that elbow. Hey, coming up on Locked On Angels, we got more of your questions, including is Ben Joyce the answer to the Angels' bullpen struggles this year? We'll get to that in just a minute. Locked on Angels is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about, and chances are you might be one of them. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions that you don't want to pay for anymore. You just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. And Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place automatically. It categorizes all of your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money and they've saved an average of $720 a year. So start tracking and saving money today. Check out rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. And today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. With the Game Time app, buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theaters is fast and easy. The app offers great deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee on the GameTime app. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. You can see images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can find the lowest price guarantee and even get event cancellation protection. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you don't have to go digging through your email and trying to figure out who sent you your, your tickets? Grab the tickets without the stress with the GameTime app. So download GameTime app, create an account, and use the code 
Locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's Fan Mail Friday, so we're continuing with your questions. This one's from our buddy James Barton. He asked about Brandon Drury, John. He said he's not impressed. A lot of mental errors defensively. Hasn't made too many plays. Isn't hitting well. Dude never smiles, is what he says. <laughs> he just looks like he's not having fun playing on his childhood team. Maybe I just need to vent, but he's really not impressed me so far. Johnny, I looked it up before the show. Uh, he has a WRC plus of 41. So Ooh. he is really struggling. 100 yeah. is average. And yeah. so he is really struggling. The good news is that this offense has scored some runs and we're seven and five. And so Drury hasn't been somebody that has hurt this offense, but he hasn't really helped this offense until recently. And it's yeah. been kind of sparse. So give me your thoughts on Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury from Grants Pass, Oregon. Remember Grants Pass, Mike? We used to drive oh, through there. I remember lot. that. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize he was from there. That's right. So with Brandon Drury, he, he's played a lot of first base. However, it's where he's played the infield the least other than shortstop in his career. So he can play second, third, first. But you could see that he was very underprepared to play first, especially with those mental errors that happened the other day. He held on to the ball and didn't throw it home when when uh, the Nationals were coming around to score. He threw it to second uh, for one, and then back tried to get back to first for a double play. Wasn't the right decision. And so you can just see he's not very experienced there. His true position this season is going to be second base, and it just goes to show how badly we need Jared Walsh back at first yeah, base, right. and also how badly we need Rendon in this lineup. Because when Rendon is in there batting fourth, it takes the pressure off of guys like Drury and Renfro. And you see the results of how much more relaxed they can be in the lineup when the lineup is extended and not all of the pressure is on them. Drury hit his first home run over the weekend, and I thought that that was going to be you know, what broke the seal for him. And I will say, I think he had a pretty good game against the Nationals on Wednesday, had a couple of hits, which is great to see. I think... Like in the same case it was for Hunter Renfro, I think it's going to be a little while until Drury comes around. But once he does, I think we're going to be impressed with him. And he bats lefties really well. So yeah. if you consider that, you have to make sure that he can play first base. And with Jared Walsh back on the team, he'll probably play in place of Jared Walsh on those days so that Jared doesn't have to take on a lefty. Perhaps they can communicate together and really learn this team a lot better and learn how to, or he can help Drury learn how to play first a lot better. Hey, Mike, here's a question from Howard Sklar. He said, it might be ridiculous, but I got to ask it. Joe Adele is tearing it up in the Pacific Coast League, but there's no place in our outfield for him. We're less settled at first base. Drury and Walsh are good options, but neither has a lock on the position. Could Adele learn to play first base? Mike, we saw Bryce Harper is planning on learning first base when he comes back. Which is a great move. What do you think about this? Well, I, I think in just talking about Drury, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Walsh comes back. Yeah. I think moving Joe Adele to first base right now wouldn't be wise because you've seen him really work hard and try to get the outfield down. Hmm. And I think the reason why he's in the outfield is because he's so athletic, John. And mm -hmm. getting that getting that skill 
and will to work together for Joe Adele is what they've been working on the last couple of years. It's why he's in the minor leagues. I think throwing him over to first base, we we haven't seen that be too successful for guys like Taylor Ward and Matt Thice. Finally, Ward's putting it together, but it took him a long time. Mm -hmm. And Thice has been all over the infield. Outfield, he's been first base, he's been a catcher. And so I love the idea. I love the out-of-the-box thinking, but I think for somebody like Joe Adele, He's got to figure out, at least in the next two years, how to figure out how to play the outfield. Plus, the Angels have a lot of really good first basemen that would block him, and you wouldn't want to remove like a Trey Cabbage or some of those other guys from that position. What do you think, John? Did uh, did Erstad move from the outfield to first in his yeah, career? He actually went from first base to the outfield oh, he and went, the other went way. kind of back and forth. Yeah, because he, remember, he was the final out in the 2002 World Series. He was in center field. See, and I thought that, I knew that, but I wondered if he had went to the infield after that. Plus, so. he was a lefty, which would make more sense for him to be over there. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Carson West has another Joe Adele question. He said, how about we trade Joe Adele to the Pirates for David Bednar, their closer, hmm. Mike? Pirates are always tricked by sneaky trades but it would be nice to have a lockdown closer and have a Stevez as the setup guy with tr Joe's trade value. Maybe we could get another bullpen arm. What do you think? It, it sounds like he's probably a longtime angel fan and you and I've been longtime angel fans. And I think longtime angel fans are like, you know, these minor league guys that have a lot of promise just don't actually turn out well for us. And Brandon Wood is always the guy that we bring up. Right. And, and uh, McPherson from a, a few years, Dallas McPherson from a few years before that. So yeah. I, I think that, it would be great to sell Joe Adele high and to get a Bednard. And I think it'd be awesome to be able to have somebody at the end of this bullpen to solidify the bullpen. They're going to have to do something. I wonder if trading Joe Adele is the something that they're going to have to do. I loved mm. when we traded for Hunter Renfro because I felt like we didn't give up anything. Yeah. And, and now he's on our team. So I would love to see a trade to the Pirates. However, I, I don't know if I want to give up Joe Adele for that move. And right now, the Pirates are actually playing pretty well. They gave the Houston Astros a really tough time. So yeah. Bednar for, Odell, for Adele, it sounds good. I just don't know if I'm ready to let Adele go yet because he's so young and there's still a lot of promise. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think long-term about the Angels and where they might end up. And, and one thing that I always take into consideration for as much grief as we give Joe Adele for his defense, which I think is unwarranted. I think that he's played a much better outfield in the, in the last couple of games that he's been up in the majors and in the minors. It's really the strikeout rate. It's really yep. what it comes down to. Yeah. But I think about a future Mike where perhaps the angels aren't able to re-sign Shohei Otani. Then you have that DH spot open for somebody like Joe Adele, where you don't want to see him necessarily in the outfield all the time. You have a good bat in Joe Adele to, to plug in there and also use for Mike Trout when he needs a day off or Taylor Ward or what have you. However, <laughs> Joe Adele in the Pirates outfield next to like Brian Reynolds, I feel like I could see that happen. That's a good like, outfield. Yeah. I feel like that it would make sense, but I think you're right. I think that there are lots of uh, options within our system that we could trade from. I don't necessarily think Joe Adele is ready to be shipped off. I understand that he's looking very valuable right now, but I think it's because, like we've been saying since the offseason, give that man a full season in the minors, let him get his reps in the outfield and at the plate, let him work on that strikeout rate. It's 28% right now. It needs to come down, so he still has things to work on. But we know the power's there. We know he can hit it. 
And I think that he needs that boost of confidence. I'll, I'll preach this until the end of time, just like my Logan O'Hoppy equals Buster Posey. <laughs> I think Joe Adele needs a full season in the minors. I just looked him up the other day. Mike, he was born in 1999. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, give the kid some credit, man. Like, give him some time to figure it out and, and work on things. I think people just had Joe Adele fatigue because they brought him up in the pandemic season because there weren't any games being played in the minors. And he was a baby. So, and they had, <laughs> right? yeah. they had to bring him up so that he could get some real life reps. Otherwise, yeah. he's just playing practice squad games and they didn't want that for Joe. So really what it comes down to, give this man a full season in the minors, let him work on his, uh, on his strikeout rate. And if there's an injury, he's got to come up at some point. And I think he is the next man up. Today's show is brought to you by the Ultimate Pro Baseball GM Game. This game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of the franchise. You can play through seasons and lead your franchise and your fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing difficult personalities and injuries, and navigating your franchise through free agency and all of the ups and downs of the regular season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline. And Locked On Angel listeners, you get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. Here's how you can download it. You can visit probaseballgm.com. You can scan the code if you're watching on YouTube. There's a QR code right underneath me. Or you can look it up in the app store. That's probaseballgm.com. The Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. You can start your dynasty today. All right, we got a few more questions here on this Fan Mail Friday. Thank you to everybody who submitted question. This one comes from at Hawks China on Twitter. He said, hello, Super Halo Bros. First time leaving a question. Thank you, at Hawks China. Love My it. question is, will acquiring more Japanese players increase Shohei's chances of staying at the Angels? If so, are there any Japanese players you like and will be realistic for the Angels to sign or trade for? Mike, can I tell you that I came across something the other day that talked about the, it was like the junior and the seniority of Japanese players mm -hmm. and how, uh, I, I think it was, uh, was it, you say Kikuchi that pitched against us the other day? Yeah, Mariners. Blue mm -hmm. Jays. Or Blue um, Jays, you're right. Yep. Yeah, he was on the Mariners. Now he's on the Blue Jays. Yeah. And how, you know, he went through Shohei's high school first and then Shohei graduated after him and. So there's like a respect there. There's like a reverence there for the fact that Kikuchi is Otani's senior. And I think this article was alluding to the fact that when you see a guy like, um, you know, Fujinami go to the A's or uh, who's got the ghost forkball, I'm trying to remember on the, on the Mets. Um, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> we yes. did a whole episode on him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's escaping me right Keep now. Keep talking so and it'll come to us. It'll come to you. Basically, I think what the article was alluding to is the fact that these guys don't want to take away from one another as they share a team, if that makes sense. So, for example, if you had Shohei and perhaps, uh, you know, Kikuchi on the same team, it really takes away the attention from one or the other and, in a sense, is not disrespectful, but I think that they are being respectful by not... Uh, taking all the attention away from mm. somebody who's their senior, somebody who is their, you know, not superior, but somebody who's already been there 
before they got there, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Kodai Senga is the Thank guy you. that we couldn't think of. Grief. I couldn't think of Senga's name. In New York. Yeah. Yes. I, I think, I, I love what you just said there. I think just in a very practical sense, I don't know if that's actually going to keep Otani or cause Otani to leave. Incentivize, but yeah. Getting more of these Japanese players on the Angels, I think it'll actually help the Angels in a couple of ways. One, mm -hmm. I think it'll help them win. And two, I think that it'll get Japanese eyes. It'll get the people from J Japan and from uh, that area to actually watch more and more baseball because we've had so many fans that watch from there who have said that they've watched more baseball because of Shohei Otani. They've watched more angels because of Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. They've become angel fans because of Shohei Otani. And so if we can get more in Southern California, I'm all about it because I think it actually benefits our team on the field and it'll benefit our team from a business standpoint. And Johnny, if we can get Roki Sasaki, <laughs> like, like that guy is phenomenal. Yeah. And he's what, like, I think he's a baby, right? Like he's 19 or 20 yeah, or something, something like that. Young. So getting more of those players here, I think would be beneficial to baseball, would be beneficial to the Angels. I just don't think it incentivizes Otani to stay or to go. I don't think that that plays into the factor. Now, I know that we have a big Japanese audience who watches Lockdown Angels, so please correct me if my, uh, from that notion of that article that yeah. I saw is incorrect. I would like to hear your thoughts, so please feel free to share in the comments or tweet at us on Twitter so that you can uh, let us know if, if there's any truth to that or if there's any like culture that we're not understanding, we would really appreciate that. Mike, hey, this next question, it comes from Noah. He says, I truly believe the Angels need to do something with Loop and take a chance with Joyce. Mm. Everything was smooth until Loop came in. This is referring to game one, right? I understand it's his first game of the season. I'm frustrated, but <laughs> he blew the lead against arguably one of the worst teams in baseball. What do you think? I think with, with Loop, we have this expectation that he needs to figure it out. He's going to be good, and he just hasn't been good, especially since coming over from the Mets. Mm. And same thing with Ryan Tapera. I think that the reason why Ben Joyce is not up yet is because if he comes up, Ben Joyce is going to have a lot of these type of Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera games mm -hmm. because he's still a young guy and he's still figuring it out. You brought up and we uh, Angel fans know like there was that no hitter that the, the trash pandas were throwing and then Ben Joyce came in and actually he, he blew it. He walked like five guys in the ninth and they scored seven runs. They didn't give up a hit, but he walked a bunch of guys and really yeah. struggled with his control. And so he throws really, really hard, but the thing that he needs to work on is making sure that he's hitting the strike zone and he's actually using the same release point. It's similar to why Joe Adele's down there. Like he needs to figure it out. Give him a full season let him marinate, let him cook, and then bring him up when we need him. I just don't think that it would be smart, at least right now, to bring him up. We might see him at the end of the year. There's been talk about Sam Bachman coming up and maybe being one of those guys that jumps into the bullpen, which I'm all about if they're going to help us. I just wouldn't yeah. want to harm their confidence, and I wouldn't want to harm the team by bringing them into this bullpen. And Ben Joyce uh, has only 13 and a third professional innings in 2022 and so right. now he's just slowly adding on to that here in 2023 as he pitches more games for the trash pandas john this one is from darcy carroll from australia that's pretty don't, awesome so i was gonna say don't try to do the accent please <laughs> no i'm not no <laughs> not gonna do that um I, i've noticed that we lack a real flamethrower high heat pitcher in the bullpen someone with high velocity again the question is uh ben joyce coming up and and being a part of this bullpen johnny do you think that Joyce is the answer, or do you think that we have him in Jose Quijada? Because I, I just have a feeling like if we give Quijada 
the opportunity to pitch one inning and to do it in high leverage situations, it feels like he can come through and it feels like he thrives in those moments. That's just my fan eyes and my fan heart. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I think Quijada does thrive in those moments and he loves the the pressure, which is something you don't often see from a pitcher. They very they animated clean. too. He does yeah. really well. Like I love that. <laughs> and then Carlos Estevez too, man. He yeah. He's also a hard throwing pitcher as well. The problem is Mike, they're going out there one day at a time. They're also often going on the same day. I think Phil Nevin is finally figuring out, like, I need to use Quijada one day and I need to use Estevez another day because I need a hard-throwing guy at least in each game of the series. And yeah. so to if he's not going to run them out there two days in a row, he can at least do one and then the other. I think that's what it's been looking like yeah. so far. How about this one from Chad Franks? He said, Please explain to me how the Mariners are ranked 14 <laughs> on ESPN's power rankings and the Angels are 15. If you haven't read the synopsis, please do so because it's truly absurd. Are the Angels really just a punching bag for national media? Are they actively trying to paint them in a bad light or have they earned such a bad reputation? Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Uh, thank you for that, Chad. Mike, are, are we the nation's punching bag? Have we earned it? It's, it sometimes feels like that. And I think that this could be a narrative changing season. And I think right now what's going to change is our starting pitching narrative because mm-hmm. they're, they've actually been pretty good. Uh, the reality is, is I think that, um, and when it was Lindsey Crosby, when he came on this show and we were asking him about like, how come the minor leagues and the angel system isn't really like rated higher because mm-hmm. we have all these really great guys in the minor leagues. And, and Lindsey said, you can only do so much when you're looking at every team in the national media. And I think that that's what happens with a team like the Angels and a team like the Mariners. Mariners made a lot of really strategic moves, bringing in Teosco Hernandez and having this really great starting rotation. And I think that um, that them being ranked higher than the Angels is what we would call in the world that I'm in uh, a lag indicator, meaning like hmm. this is a... This is a feeling that they had at the beginning of the year and it hasn't caught up to reality yet. Mm. And so I think for the national media, ranking the Mariners where they're at is they're still looking at Castillo and they're still looking at Gilbert and they're still going, oh man, this is a great starting rotation and they're going to figure it out and it's going to be awesome. And I think that by maybe mid-May, they're going to have a whole different perspective if this team is who their record currently says that they are. The the other thing is the Angels have earned this bad reputation with how bad that they've been the last eight years. But I will sure. say the Mariners, I, I got to get this out of my mouth, <laughs> this bad taste. Mike, they, they got to the playoffs and we haven't yet. Yeah. And they got there last yeah. year. And I know that uh, I, I think that we are better than the Mariners. However, they got there and and we have a lot to prove. And so I think the fact that they did rank higher than the Angels on the power rankings is just by virtue of the fact that they got there last year and we didn't. However, it's a new year. We've already taken two out of three games from them so far, and there are 10 more games against them this season. And we have a lot of competitive baseball to play against the AL West. So to me, it's it's a prove it year for the Angels. Now, Chad did say the the synopsis was absurd so i'll have to read that and see what it said <laughs> but i will say just based on the power rankings of them at 14 and we're at 15 i think it has everything to do with the fact that they got there last year and we didn't the angels got to go out there and prove it and and that's something we've said all along like prove it to me that this matters to you perry manassian and phil nevin prove it to me that you guys are going to do something to help get the angels to the playoffs this season because that's all we have and and that, that's all 
that they need to do is to get there. And then once they're in the playoffs, it's anything goes. You never know who's going to end up in the World Series. You never know who's going to fire their manager in June and end up, you know, the NL champions. So <laughs> we'll see what happens if the Angels, if and when the Angels get to the playoffs, it's anybody's game after that. Hey, we appreciate you making Locked On Angels your first listen today. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a great podcast with Matt and Don. They're going to help you win your league, and you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube, and they are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, we hope that you follow us on social media at Locked On Angels on Twitter and at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're on YouTube watching us, please comment below. We do our best to get to all the comments and questions you guys have, and it really helps out the channel. Hey Mike, what do we have on deck for Monday's show? We're in Boston. We're going to play four games in Boston, and John and I are going to recap the three games from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Monday's show, and then we'll get to celebrate, hopefully, a Shohei Otani early game start and a victory there. Uh, Johnny, what do you think? Do you think uh, split the series, three out of four? Where do you think the Angels are at right now with the pitching staff? Because I think it's uh, it's Detmers is going, Anderson's going, and so is Sandoval. So we yeah. have a really good, and then Otani. So we have a really strong rotation. What do you think? Three of four, two of four? We, we splitting this? What do you think? Got to go three of four, baby. I Let's mean, go. the Red Sox are, are down on their luck. Rafi Devers, of course, is a beast. So he's somebody you got to watch out for. But I think the Angels can take three of four. Uh, from Friday to Monday. Of course, we'll recap Friday, Saturday, Sunday for you. And then on Tuesday, we'll talk about that early Monday morning game for you. Yep. All right, friends, thanks for being here with us for this episode of Locked On Angels. And we will see you back here on Monday. In the meantime, my name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll see you right back here on Monday.